Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right, everybody. Okay, we're going to go ahead and uh, move forward in our service here. Please uh, excuse my voice. I've come down with a cold, so uh, my voice is just a little bit raspy and everything. I think I blame my dad. I blame him. We spent the weekend up in his house and so I had a good time, but I think their house was full of germs. So if you're listening, dad, sorry. Uh, So today uh, we are going to finish our long six week series called Life as a House. Um, The last six weeks we've really been talking about God's house and what God's house is like. And we have sort of talked about how in the Bible, we see that um, originally uh, the place that God dwells and reveals himself, that's kind of what we're saying. God's house is defined as the place that God dwells and that he reveals himself. And so it's taken a lot of forms over uh, the years. In, in scripture, we see in the beginning it was a tent, right? Um, actually, it was a place. There was a, when, when uh, either Abraham or Jacob met God, he even named a town Bethel, which means house of God. So, you know, in a, an area could be the house of God. And then it was a tabernacle, like a portable tent. And then they built a big building called the temple, and that was God's house. And then in the New Testament, we see that Jesus came, and when the Holy Spirit dwells within each of us as Christians, we are called God's house. And then from that space, each one of us coming together is a church, and the church is God's house. And ultimately, God's plan and His rule and reign being lived out around the world is called the kingdom of God, which is God's house in a greater sense, right? So we've been talking about... Um, But what does God's house look like for us, for our church? Because each church kind of does things a little bit differently. And so we've been using this house and the rooms in a house to talk about what God's house is supposed to be like. So, so far... We've talked about the living room, right? The living room is, uh, is a place of connection and belonging, right? That's a place for the initial relationships and fellowship to begin. We talked about the bedroom of God's house, which is about intimacy and depth, not only with a relationship with God, but in a relationship with each other, like growing in depth and into intimacy and having discipleship, growing deeper in our faith and in relationships with other people. We talked about the kitchen, being a place of participation and a place of responsibility. So when you become a member of the house, a family member, right, there are things that need to be done to take care of the house, also to serve people, the guests who come into the house, the the ministry of God's house. Last week, we talked about the backyard, and that represents ultimately conversation and invitation and involvement, not only in our neighborhoods, but in our city and in our nation and around the world. And what does it mean for us to welcome people to the table But, you know, going out to the highways and the hedges, like it says in Scripture, to bring people in. And I love that we see new faces because we're inviting people in and bringing them in. That's what we want to see, not just for people who know Christ, but also people who don't, and creating those spaces for conversation, creating conversation and moments for invitation and being involved in our city and serving uh, and doing that. So that's the parts of the house. Well, this week we're going to wrap it all up and talk about what's under the house, and that is the foundation of worship, the foundation of worship. And actually today, I love how, what Annie, what you said, and I think the songs that we sang this morning are so perfect, and that was not planned. And I love how God does that. It's so cool how, how oftentimes God will align with things. But today we're going to talk about the foundation of the house, and that is the foundation of worship. So I looked up the definition of what the word foundation means on the internet, and it is this, the basis or the groundwork of anything. So a foundation is the basis 
or the groundwork of anything. So if you think about a house, right, the entire house is built on a foundation. And the foundation is what keeps the house balanced. Um, it, it, if you have a faulty foundation, it results in crumbling buildings. So if you've ever driven through neighborhoods and you've seen houses that have cracks on the sides of the houses, or maybe you've seen them, they look slanted, like the porch is slanted uh, in, a, in a downward motion. That happens because the foundation is beginning to crumble or the foundation is weak or it wasn't set properly. And so strong foundations ultimately result in long-lasting sturdy buildings. And in God's house, the foundation of everything that we do is worship. It's about knowing God. It's about giving him glory and praise. And it's about revealing him to the rest of the world. So everything that we do should be fueled by a relationship with God and worshiping him. Uh, the foundation of worship supports each function of our house. When we, we worship God by connecting with people and honoring relationships. We worship God by, by uh, investing in growing in those depth and relationships with Him and with others. We honor God by serving with our hands and our feet. We honor God and we worship Him by, um, by having relationships with people outside of, uh, out of the house and taking care of our city. We, uh, we worship Him in all of those spaces. So today I just want to talk about what it means to have the foundation of worship. And so if you guys want to turn with me to Romans in the book of the book of Romans in the Bible, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in the city of Rome in Italy, which was one of the most godless nations uh, or cities in, in, the, in the country. And when I say godless, they actually had a lot of gods, but not they were so depraved as a society. So in Romans chapter 12, Verse 1, Paul is telling this about worship. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then he says this, This is your true worship. Now, the context of this is that at this time, it was common for people to put animals or even other people on altars and sacrifice them to gods to appease them for any number of reasons. It could be, I want to have a baby. So they would sacrifice an animal or a person. Uh, if, if it's, you know, I, we need rain to come to take care of the crops and to give us food, right? We would sacrifice something on an altar. Um, it would be, we're about to go to war and we want to protect our nation or we want to conquer a nation. So they would sacrifice something, right? And so it was in this environment that Paul and the Jewish people would do the same. If you read the Old Testament, the Jewish people would offer sacrifices to God to, in thanks and, in, um, and, and in for, uh, for atonement and those types of things. Not people. God always outlawed the sacrifice of people. And he set himself apart from that. But here we have Paul using the, the words of what was happening in this city. And he's saying, therefore, in view of who God is and his goodness and his awesomeness and his life and his grace and his mercy in you, I urge you to present your body not as a sacrifice on a table and dead. He says, but as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. He's saying that the way that you live your life should be offered as a sacrifice to him. And you worship God when you think about what can I do to sacrifice my time, my energy, my resources, my preferences, all of those kinds of things. And he says he directly links it to this is worship to God. 
But then if we go into the Old Testament, we see how this can practically be lived out. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You don't have to turn there if you don't want. It's very short. This is actually from a prayer called the Shema, which is uh, one of the most popular Hebrew prayers, one of the most popular Israelite prayers that they would repeat twice a day, every single day. And if you go to synagogue, if you were to go to a Jewish synagogue, you would hear them say this every time, all right? And it starts with, um, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And then it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And they would repeat this over and over and over again to remind themselves of what it meant to live as a follower of God. In our case, a follower of Christ, right? And it was to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So we're told by the Apostle Paul to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, alive, the way we live our lives. But then we're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So how do we ensure that our house is built on the foundation of worship? How do we ensure, how do we, what does that look like to make sure that our house, God's house, and our lives are built on the foundation of worship? And as I was preparing this week, this phrase just kept coming to my mind, and it was that we should worship to Him, for Him, and with Him. To him, for him, and with him. And I think you'll see that it matches up with that passage in the Old Testament. If you think about it, when we worship to him, we're worshiping him with everything that we do, with our strength, right? So when it says to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Well, if you think about the the concept of the things that we do, look what it says in Colossians 3, 17. It says, in whatever you do, in word or deed. So everything that we say, all the words that come out of our mouths, and everything that we touch, right? Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In other words, all the things that we do, whether it's we go to work, we pay our bills, the conversations that we have, all of those things, the words and the activity that we have should be done in the name of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to like, pay bills in the name of Jesus? What does that mean to like work on a spreadsheet in the name of Jesus? Like, what does that mean to like read a textbook in the name of Jesus? I think what the idea here is, it's, it's, we're, we're doing it to him, for him. Like the idea is I want everything that I'm doing to be done as if he was my boss, right? As if he was my creditor, as if he was my significant other. Like I want to treat everything that I say and I do as if it's literally to him. And I think that's the idea of what it means to offer your body as a living sacrifice. It's everything that happens in my life, I'm doing it on behalf of God to him, right? So like we can do that by singing songs. That's why we worship on Sundays. That's why we practically come together and we sing songs together is because we're telling him, we're worshiping him with our words, you know, and sometimes that comes out of a place of like Annie was saying, out of pain or out of weakness, or out of fear, or doubt, right? And that's okay, because there are all sorts of psalms, which are like poems in the Bible, where David, the King David, would write songs when he was afraid, when he was angry, when he was frustrated, when he had failed, and he would sing these and write these to God in those moments. 
But he would also do the same thing when he was joyful, like Annie also said. Sometimes things are going great, or God did show up in a powerful way. And you're like, yes, I have got to tell people how, what God did in my life, right? That's also worship. And so we can sing songs. We can write journal entries. We can uh, record a podcast. We can go out to coffee with our friends and just talk about what God has done or what we need him to do. And that is worship. Songs, songs creativity. It's also about acknowledgement, acknowledging that God is present, that God is good. We just, my brother and I, and my, my brother, my, we just drove up through the forest to my dad's house this past weekend, or earlier this weekend for a, a guy's weekend, and the trees are colorful, the beauty of it. I just acknowledged God's goodness. Like, that's worship, you know, giving him credit for things, you know. Wow, I didn't know how I was going to make it through that, but I did. Thank you, God, for helping me have the strength to make it through that exam or whatever, right? Like that was what it means to worship to him with our strength. So to him, for him, and with him. So we worship to him. What does it mean to worship for him? I think that means to worship him with our heart, right? So it says to love the Lord your God with all your strength, but it also says to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Well, look at what it says in Colossians 3, verse 23. It says, whatever you do, again, right? The first one was whatever you do or say or do. This one says, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. It's kind of similar, but it really hits on the heart of it. It shows you, I mean, how many times did we read in the, in the, in like the gospels when we see Jesus would say, it's not so much what you do, it's the heart behind it. And this passage of scripture is reinforcing that. It's saying that, that the things that we do are important. It is important to give God glory. It is important to say things. It is important to sing songs and to write poems and to you know, do the things. But we see over and over in scripture that honestly, God says, if you're going to do it and your heart's on it, I'd rather you not. In fact, there's actually a passage of scripture that says that in the Old Testament. We're not going to read it, but it says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to take care of the poor. I want you to love the orphan and the widow because that's what truly looks like worship, right? And so when we see Colossians 3 saying, saying, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. I remember I I tell this story all the time that when in the early days of of my marriage with my wife, Heather, you know, I was not one who would do a lot of work around the house. I didn't do the dishes. I didn't clean up the house. I didn't do any of those things. And she would say, Jared, can you please participate? And I was, I was I'm, I'm not proud of it. It's just who I was. I was, un, I was young. I was immature, you know, and so, um, but I wouldn't do it. I was just watching football or doing my own thing, right? And she would over and over again, she would tell me, would you please help with this? Would you help with this? I would like you to help with this. And I would do it when she would tell me, but my heart wasn't in it. And it didn't, I mean, even though it was done, she knew that my heart wasn't in it. And so it didn't mean much that I did it because it was an obligation. But when it clicked in my brain that it was something that I do with, like for her, for our house, right? Because I have a responsibility, because she loves me, and because I love her. And that means it's part of what it means to participate, part of what it means to love someone, right? Then it added meaning to it. And so that's what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It means that like, I don't just do the things out of obligation. I don't just worship God on Sunday because it's the thing that we're doing. I want to attach the meaning and value to everything I do as if it was for him every single time. And so that means consideration. 
That means considering what God says to us and thinking about, God, you, you want me to do this thing, whatever it is in Scripture. You know, it could be challenging assumptions or values that maybe I want to believe that the world believes, but God says something is different. Considering that God says something and believing and, and changing my thoughts for him, that's a form of worship. It means about being intentional about how I worship him, about being intentional about my choices, about the way that I serve him, the way that I do my job, the way that I treat my wife or my kids or the way I take care of things. It's an intentionality. I worship God by honoring Him, by honoring His Word, by honoring His preferences. We worship God by honoring um, His, His, His church, by honoring uh, other brothers and sisters, by honoring His creation, the world around us. You know? We honor Him by doing that, and honor is a form of worship. And also, we worship you know, for Him by, um, by the way we represent Him. The way that we wear like him on our as a badge as in our society and around each other. Like that's a form of worship. And this is like if I go out with my friends and I badmouth my wife, I am not honoring my wife. I'm not worshiping, if you will, right? Like, and so the same is true. Like if people see hypocritical behavior in me, that is not representing God in a, in a, in a way that, that honors Him. And therefore, I'm not worshiping Him with my life because I'm taking the easy way out or I'm not defending Him. I'm not representing Christianity or His church or His family. You know? So worshiping to Him is about our strength, our actions and our words. Worshiping for Him is about our heart, how we go about things and the reason we do it. We worship Him that way. But we also worship Him with Him. And this is our soul, right? So when it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and all your soul, the soul is, is something deep inside of us. In John chapter 4, verse 23, this is the words of Jesus here. John 4, 23, he says, But an hour is coming, and is actually here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So there's something more than just the, than the things that I do with my hands, the things that I can touch, and the words that come out of my mouth. It's more than just my intentions as well, like, which is the heart. There's something about worship that is spiritual, that is a deep connection, which is about the spiritual relationship that we have with God. Sometimes we can just sit in a room and just be silent and be worshiping him because our connects, our soul is connecting to him. This is how people can be in prison, how people can be taken from in the Middle East. We hear about this periodically. People who are Christians in, in like Muslim territories where it's illegal to be a Christian. And we hear stories of men or women who have been taken from their homes, ripped from their families, and put in prison to rot in like a solitary confinement. And somehow, when they are released from prison, they're still strong and vibrant in their faith because even though they didn't have a Bible, even though they didn't have like an iPod to listen to music or to worship, there was a deep spiritual connection that fueled their soul in that place. There is something about worship that is not just the words that I speak, not just the things that I do, not just the songs that I sing, not even just the intention or the way I represent God, but somehow a supernatural connection with our God. 
that even if I don't have any of the other tools, I can still worship him in a private place. When I was growing up, it was called the secret place, which is kind of like a, you know, I mean, to me, that's kind of a funny statement because I heard it over and over and over again, but there's truth to it. It's a place where just you and God can, can be with each other. And the beauty is that it's a transcendent space. You can be in the middle of a prison. You can be in a park. You can be in the car. As long as you are focused, and it's something you have to learn for sure, right? This is not just something you flip a switch. You have to teach yourself how to connect your spirit to God. But when you do that, I believe that's what Jesus is talking about, worshiping in spirit and in truth, it doesn't require other things. You get to a place where it's just you and God. And that's how I think, how some of these guys, like you may have, hopefully didn't see the videos, but I've seen the pictures of like these men and women who were on the beach and ISIS members like executed them. How can they be in such peace in those moments? Because they're connecting in that space. I believe they transcended in that moment. I don't mean transcended like they're out of body experience. I just mean that their spirit, the soul that lives within them, has connected with God on such a personal level in that moment that they were able to go beyond what was happening in the present. That's what Jesus is talking about, to worship in spirit and in truth. To go to such a place where you just are in the presence of God and it doesn't matter where you are or what's going on. And that's tough. I, I mean, I can tell you I've had moments where I've been in those quiet spaces. And it takes, it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of intentionality to say, I'm going to shut the world out and I want to just get with God. But that's about your spiritual relationship. It's about your connection with God. It's also the place that we find transformation that takes place. When we're in a moment with God... God will reveal things to us about ourselves that maybe we aren't ready to hear in other places or we don't take the time to hear. Maybe about, you know, our selfishness or about choices that we're making or the people we hang out with or, I don't know, any number of things. It could be that God wants to put dreams in our heart. He wants to say something to us, right? In those quiet moments when we're just with Him, sometimes He does the most transforming work. There's a, a, a theological phrase called sanctification. And to be sanctified means the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us, deep inside, that actually causes us to, to become more holy, right? To become more like Him. If all I'm doing is spending time listening to not Christian music and not you know, going to church and not spending time with other believers and I'm not paying any attention or any time into my relationship with God, there's not a lot of like spiritual transformation that's going to take place. But when I shut the world out and I just let God, you know, just begin to speak to me and I just kind of focus on him and I read his word and I ingest it and I pray through scriptures and those types of things, we begin to see his spirit beginning to, to shed light, spotlights on things, you know, begin to kind of tell us things. And when we make the choice to say, yes, I want that too. I want to be different. We begin to see spiritual transformation. And I think also a part of of worshiping um, with him in the, the soul aspect of it. It means it's obedience. And we begin to bear fruit as we do that. So the concept of Romans 12.1, right? The foundation of worship and everything that we do is this concept of, of living our lives, offering every part of our being as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And it says this is the true act of worship. That's the way we truly worship God. You come to church on a Sunday morning, you sit here and you sing three songs, like that's a small piece of what it means to truly worship God. But what we see in Romans 12:1, and really all throughout all of these scriptures is it's, it's our entire being. It's the things that we say and do, 
It's the, thing, the, way that we, the way that we think about it. It's our heart. It's the intention and the choice. But it's also about our spirit connecting with God. And so when we sing songs on Sunday morning, I encourage you, shut the world out. Yeah, I mean, we're here in a room and you're surrounded by people, but you can close your eyes. And if you don't want to sing, you just want to listen to the words and you just want to like, just begin to open your heart to God, that is what it means to begin taking steps towards just connecting with Him. And there have been times where I'll be in a room of 100 people while we're worshiping at like a, a worship event or even in a room like this where I kind of sometimes forget I'm in the room with other people because I'm just having a moment with the Lord. That's truly what it means to worship Him. So I want our church, as we finish this series, right, this series Life as a House, about what it means. How do we connect people in relationships? How do we encourage people to grow in their faith with God and grow in their relationships with each other? How do we encourage people to serve and to take steps to, you know, to begin, you know, participating? How do we reach our world? All of it has to start with the foundation of both personal and corporate worship. If we are not a people who worships God, then we're really just like building a house on, like as scripture would say, like on sand. We're not putting a foundation down. It's all because of God and who he is. And he's worthy of praise. and He's worthy of worship. So as we worship him with our lives and with our actions and with the things that we say and do, I believe that we will be okay. Just like every other foundation, our church will be strong because it's built on a foundation that we're putting God first in everything that we do. So... That is what it means to live life as a house. Um, So let me pray for us, and then we're going to just get into our discussion time here. God, I I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you um, are a God that can be worshipped in so many different ways and that um, you you don't require us to um, do crazy rituals in order to know you. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you live inside of us and that we can connect with you everywhere. I thank you for the example of men and women all around the world, all throughout history, who have proven that they can be in wonderful situations and terrible situations, and yet you are still there and they can be at peace, and so can we. So help us to, to think about that. God, I pray that as we now move into some time of discussion that we would, um, that we would think about and, and it would sink deep into our hearts about what does it mean to live a life of worship? How can our church be founded on worship? How can our lives be founded on worship? What does it mean to live uh, a living sacrifice to you? Um, we thank you for what you're doing here today. Thank you for every person who's been here and made this a, a priority today. Um, I pray that you'll be honored by everything we say and do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.